You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's make harder. Yeah. What's up, everybody? All you downers out there, welcome back to the podcast. My name's Matt. Uh, this is Break It Down with Matt Carter. My guest, who I'm going to talk to in just a second here, is Tim from Under Oath, Tim McTague. I'll tell you more about him in just a second. I want to tell you this episode I'm yo, very yo. excited about is because I have a sponsor, a new sponsor, and that's Loot Crate. I'll tell you more about them in a little bit. But... For less than $20 a month, they have an epic range of pop culture items that comes in a box, um, a crate, in fact. And uh, if you're looking for some collectibles, houseware, epic gear for the holiday season, check that out. Um, you go to lootcrate.com forward slash down, and they've got a promo code. Mine is uh, gifting15. You'll get 15% off anything you get there. Anyway, tell you a little bit more about that later. Tim is the guitar player from Under Oath. He is a guy that is very similar to me in a lot of ways. I'm sure we have some significant differences he's been on this show before and it was about the most popular episode i've had it's been it was one of the top couple for top two or three for sure and i enjoyed the conversation very much he's somebody that if i could have on regularly it'd be nice and easy and fun we've done virtually zero preparation i don't have we don't have anything planned to talk about today uh, it came about this way tim called me yesterday asking about podcasting and what i was up to and business stuff that i was doing and had some genuine curiosity about some stuff and we got into a conversation that lasted about an hour about an hour and uh the the idea of it was just like man we should have been recording this conversation because it was really good. So I said, well, I don't have a guest. Tomorrow. I want to come on the podcast and we'll give it another shot. So, Tim, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be back. Always good to be with you or Toby or Joey or any version of you guys. Let me get this full screen for the people watching. Sorry. Um, okay, so what is you? Uh, we're going to talk about music business and that kind of thing. We won't talk about guitars or pedals or effects we'll do that another time or like some whatever but let's talk about where we're at business wise what we're doing personally and some of the stuff we were talking about yesterday and i was really responding to your energy because you're pumped up and you have a motor and you have an engine and you've got a brain that is full of information and strong opinions and i love it it's, i call that character really it's, it's the opposite of a boring person they might get they, they may it could be overbearing or obnoxious or whatever i'll take that every day over a boring person but you were amped <laughs> up yesterday talking about uh what you want to communicate and the problems with what you see in the music industry and stuff like that so i haven't talked to you much in the last couple months before this but what's going on with you that's got you this ramp up about stuff what's got your brain spinning because that's quite interesting yeah um yeah i mean it's it's interesting because under oath's been a band for 16 years you've seen a lot of changes i mean the first like independent album that i ever recorded was on like an adap machine and then we saw pro tools we saw this saw that kind of got in under oath and i've seen the the kind of peak and then the demise of the music industry and coming back into it after three and a half years of just kind of erasing it from my brain aside from working in merchandise 
it's really interesting to see the dynamics between the people in power, the people controlling the money and the people making the money and the people mm-hmm. making the art. And most times from just general conversations, I'm not digging, I'm not trying to find like a crack in the system. Just every conversation I have, the people that are responsible for making the thing of value, whether it be creating a you know, double vinyl packaging for, for a, a massive band or you know, co-writing a song or anything like that, they're always the lowest regarded, lowest credited, and lowest paid. Yes. And there's always someone else that resells the relationship at a premium. And I think that's normal. I mean, that's what you're doing for your sponsors and podcasting. That's what Amazon affiliate links are. Mm -hmm. You know, I have an audience that Jeff Bezos wants. You click on my thing to buy the same thing that's on his site. And I get, I don't even know what it is because I'm not in that business, but five to 8% maybe. Yeah. 4% Um, I believe it is actually exactly on that. Four to six actually. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's good. I think that everyone should be valued. And I think that if you're giving a business or an idea legs that it couldn't have without your opinion and or input or involvement, there's value there and you should be paid there. Um, The interesting thing with the music industry that I've seen from the top to the bottom is it's an affiliate program. I'm a label I have Lady Gaga, therefore I have all of these millions of people that you, Matt Carter, or you, Tim McTague, Under Oath, Emery, you know, Fantagram, Kendrick Lamar, whoever you are, you want to be in front of my eyeballs. Instead of me using my eyeballs that I really haven't worked for because I just gained them off of another artist's hard work, instead of just me offering that as a service to a degree, I end up reselling that to you at an 80% premium instead of a 4% premium. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because I think business globally recognizes relationships, recognizes, you know, celebrities like Fat Jew, celebrities like Kim Kardashian. They get paid massive amounts of money just to talk about a wrench or a energy drink or right. something like that, right? So there is value in who has the most eyeballs and whose eyeballs react the best right. to the person behind the ownership of that eyeball saying whatever they want to say. Um, what's interesting is Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, Bad Christian, Pete Holmes, all these people, they do promote things and they promote very you know, positive things or very credible businesses and they get paid well. They don't get paid nearly what a label or anyone in this music industry gets paid. And I realize it's because it's brand new and it's yeah. also really wild, wild west. You're there's right. no regulation. There's no rules. Absolutely. Because, you know? of, but, uh, you but can't, we're, we're nervous that eventually it might go the other way and people are going to figure it out and control stuff or gatekeep stuff. But as of right now, you're right. I can sell space or get a premium <clears throat> for ads or do business freely with my audience. Absolutely. And in the music business, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's interesting now because we can be independent, but the traditional systems and the powerful systems, at least, you know, it's not, everything's on lockdown and it's, it's, it's a weird thing that doesn't, you know, the artist has very little power and, and value in a lot of times. Yeah. What's interesting is, um, I manage a hip hop artist named Andy Minio. He's probably one of the most inspiring artists I've ever like seen create and work. And we had a massive show last month in Houston and 
we hired my friend who came out and shot a whole like vignette piece, like a mini documentary about the event. Mm-hmm. It was great. You know, massive show. He crushed it. Dan Newman, my director friend, came out, flew with us. We paid him his day rate. He shot it, filmed it, edited it, color corrected it, delivered it. Went to post it on his own Instagram as part of his portfolio. And Instagram took it down because he doesn't have the right to the song that he used, which is the song. Yes that the bands that he was paid by to shoot yes. told him he was allowed to do. And now you have this director who can't even promote his best work because it happens to have a song that even though artists Y, Z, and X like, you're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because we're reacting in the negative way. We're, we're not reacting in like a free market economy. We're reacting in a that's mine contractually. So give me that back. Yeah. You know, and you're blocking out professionals and talent from actually being able to flourish because they, they can't even talk about it. That's right. Uh, we have that problem a lot. People email me friends, just whoever I know. And they ask me, Hey, can I use your song in a video I'm doing for something? And I'm like, yeah. And they ask like people say, can I use your song for this or that or whatever? I'm like, totally. And then they're like, yeah, but I mean, is YouTube going to pull it down because somebody else owns it? I'm like, uh, yeah, I think they will actually. Now that you mention it, I don't. I guess you can't use it, even though it's totally fine with me. There's somebody. Yeah. It's controlled by some 100%. other people, some other way. And sorry, no, I guess maybe you can't. There's nothing I can do about that. And that's and that's just it, right? Yeah. So it's like it's an interesting thing because I think that there's a lot of breakdowns there. There's a lot of merch companies that have better deals than other merch companies, and you realize like. Something that you and I kept landing on yesterday was there is the true cost of something. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting an unbelievable deal and you're a no name band and getting a ton of money thrown at you, great. That's awesome. There's a cost for that. You don't think about that cost until your two records in getting shelved because your label wanted you so bad and your manager fought for you and said, We're not doing anything for under $250,000 cash up front. So of course they're going to give it to you. And by the time they get to push your record, your team's totally burnt the label out and they have no more gas in the tank. Right. So there's a cost for everything. A merch company says, I'm going to give you this t-shirt for a dollar 50 less than your premium merch printer that you're using now that you have a five year business relationship with that to you is man, this is what capitalism is about. It's about people being able to take ideas, refine them, make them more efficient and then lower the cost. At some point, that gets reduced to a point where this is the true cost of doing this thing. Mm-hmm. It can't get any faster. It can't get any quicker. It can't get any brighter, slicker, sexier, smoother, rougher. It's just, this is what it costs. And beyond that would be too good to be true. Thus, you should have an alarm for that. You know, at some point when business is, when business is all yeah. boiled down and it's reach a capitalistic equilibrium, equilibrium, there's no new technology. The market is free. Then if something is somebody's throwing you extra high money or giving you something an extra deep discount, there is a reason. That's exactly right. And so what's got you so fired up about these things now? Is it because you're back in the under oath mode more than you were before? And so you're starting to get, you're starting to see it with fresh eyes or or what? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's, um, I think it's a culmination of things, but I think where I'm at now kind of surveying the business and kind of, um, I spent most of my time outside of under oath working at Merchline, mm-hmm. which was, you know, my buddy Nate's company. It's, I think still think they're the best merch company, you know, 
currently out right now and you know we still use them andy uses them i put everyone that i can with them and so do we there's no incentive there it's just they are the best people and the best value for what they do they're not the cheapest they're not the most expensive whatever you pay them for is what you get um so i spent my whole world kind of in this merch bubble and then i transitioned out of that this year back into management, which you and I met a while ago. And then I managed as cities burn for a couple of years. And that was really fun because you and I have the same skill sets and you manage podcasters. You're not a guy who starts a podcast and does well. And you're like, great. It's like, no, I know this business now and I want to help other people get to where I've gotten and really, you know, let them glean on that and create a win-win situation for everyone. And so that was because something I dabbled with a while ago, stepped back into a management role currently and, Man, it's just wild. Like, I think the thing I've realized is like the music industry has changed so much in the last five years, which is obvious to anyone that reads anything. But until you were in it full fledged, like you and I were and are, and then you take a step back and then you interject yourself back into it, you can see behind the curtains. It's really, really wild. And, you know, you're seeing people like, you know, very large ticketing companies, large major labels. Everyone's getting more scared and they're leveraging those clauses and contracts that you didn't really think were ever going to be a thing we had to talk about. Mm-hmm. It was always, that's just in there because my lawyer needs to make sure it's in there, but we'll never that's right. do that or we'll never have to talk about this. Yeah. And now we're in a spot where everyone's fighting for every piece of market share ever. It's like the 1949 gold rush. Mm-hmm. But there's no gold. Everyone's trying to like hoard supplies because a famine's coming. So it's a really interesting thing. And the, the thing that happens is like the artists are getting the bad end of the stick almost every time. Yeah, yeah. And I think for that's sure. something that's really important. And that's kind of if I feel passionate or sound uh, juiced up on it, it's really because of that. It's because all of my friends are the people that are creating all of these things for these other people and making them all that yep. money. Guys, let me interrupt you just for one second here in the podcast interview to tell you about Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a sponsor for this podcast, and I want to say thank you to them. Um, they're a very, very cool company, and they believe in podcasters, and they believe in audiences like you, and so do I. And I hope you guys will celebrate for me and with me this Christmas that this podcast is growing, doing well and having sponsors. So let me see if this one is for you, if it helps you with your holiday shopping, maybe. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Maybe you're on a quest for epic gear, maybe housewares and collectibles this holiday season. Loot Crate offers an epic range of pop culture items for less than $20 a month. So they do a bunch of interesting pop culture stuff. Uh, We got some anime stuff for my house because my wife and my daughter love that kind of stuff. And they have a bunch of things that are in that realm of pop culture and anime. They've got a bunch of really, really neat stuff uh, there and for different people's tastes. So Loot Crate is the best surprise that you know is coming every single month. It's a surprise, yet you know it's coming. Kind of a paradox there. But every month, there's a different theme and new exclusive items that you can only get with Loot Crate. So treat yourself every month, or better yet, give the gift of geeking out to a friend or loved one. So maybe you're a geek, right? Maybe you go so far as to say you're a nerd. You know what? You might even be a dork, to tell you the truth. I'm not sure. I'm not going to call you one, but you might just be a geeky, nerdy dork. Uh, And that's great. 
Loot Crate's great for that. Whether you're shopping for the geek in your life or you are that geek. So like I said, every month they have a theme. And this month's theme is Revolution. They're always watching. They've designed a system to keep you down. They're meddlesome. Hello, friends. It's time for a revolution. Fight the power and pave the way for a brighter tomorrow with December's Rebellious Crate. And it's featuring exclusive items from Assassin's Creed, Mr. Robot, Firefly, and more, including exclusive Funko Pop including an exclusive Funko Pop figure, our monthly t-shirt and pin. Now, you have until the 19th of December at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe to receive this month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. You will miss it. That's by the 19th. You have to sign up to get that crate. So make sure you head over to www. So make sure you head to www.lootcrate.com slash down and enter the promo code gifting15 to save 15% off of your subscription today. That's 15% off the deepest discount they've ever offered. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com forward slash down and enter the promo code gifting15. So, but how does and most of my specific, art aren't even greedy. Let's be specific about some <clears throat> examples of where the artist gets screwed and if that's true, because does it have to be that way? Because if an artist has enough power, it seems like they could negotiate to get things their way. So how would it be that the artist is not able to actualize its actual value? What would be an example of that and a reason yeah. why that's unrealized? Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm dealing with that with um, a family member who has a band and he's looking at management deals and he's asking me, you know, is this deal fair? You know, is 15%, 20% fair? And in my head, for me, under oath, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And so that would be, let's be specific brand. on that. That'd be 15%. The band's already moving. So like a 15% gross deal. So the way that would work would be you'd sign with a manager um, and 15% of all gross revenue, every before merch fees, your guarantees, the gross amount that comes in your web store or some caveats of that, 15% of all yes. that money goes into the manager's pocket. He sends you a bill, a commissions bill each month or yep. by tour, by project, and you owe 15% of that gross amount of money to him. Now, it doesn't sound that bad. Sounds like, well, 15% ain't so bad. Yeah, You get so 85%. Here's where the dynamic <laughs> Exactly. So now we're getting like a little bit like Fox News, mad money, like mm -hmm. no spin zone type vibes. But I mean, it's basic math, right? Mm -hmm. You're a band. You get paid $10,000 for a show. If you're getting paid $10,000 for an hour of your life, you are in the 1% of the 1%. Yep. You are blessed. I, the universe opened up for you. And you're just sitting here going, how did I get here? This is crazy. And then here's what happens. Your bus costs $1,200. Your crew costs $750 a day. And these are really, so the numbers you're saying are good numbers. These are, those are accurate numbers too, but the ones you're saying are very specific. These are, yeah, that's right. This is, what, this is what I pay personally that's right. on the tour, right? right? And that's what you pay. Um, so these aren't like, theoretical numbers it's like a bus costs a certain amount like people come on our bus and they're like man this is so cool how much does it cost twelve hundred dollars a day and their jaw drops right they're like my more you spend my mortgage payment every day just to drive and sit in a parking lot in like a slave ship like mm -hmm. it's beautiful until you realize how much it costs right yeah and it's a necessity and it's not something that in my opinion i would ever rag on i think being on a bus is 
unbelievable. No, not having to drive. If you're sick, just go crash out. It's the best, but it comes at a cost. So you're a band, you're playing six to seven days a week and you're just grinding and, and you finally hit it. You're 10 grand, you're $10,000 a night. Mm-hmm. Your agent, so standard agent fees are 10% of gross. Mm-hmm. And that's been industry standard for right. as long as I can remember. I haven't heard of anyone ever going less or above. It's just 10%, yep. right? So you're sitting here with a $10,000 guarantee. You're on tour with Metallica or whoever. They write you a $10,000 check. Thank you. Monday night and Tuesday night, it's the same. Wednesday, so on and so forth. $2,000 right off the top is just for your infrastructure. It's your bus. It's your gas. It's your hotel. It's your crew. That's it. Did you pay for production or pre-production or get lighting design or do you have a lighting package? Don't know. That's all on top. Yeah. Let's just assume you have a bus, you own your gear and that's it. So you're at 2000 and the agent takes 10% of your 10,000. So that's 1000. The agents mm-hmm. now are at three grand manager takes 15% of gross, right. not a net of gross. So now you're at 4,500 and now you're sitting in a spot where you have $5,500. I mean, and you're right. There's other costs. It costs you flights to get there. It costs you, you know, there was a bunch of, there was, there's a bunch of upstart costs to get in and out of a tour and you probably bought meals and food or per diemed yourself that day. Or there's, you know, there's other, it just incidental expenses in that too. So you're well, you're over 5,500 bucks just for, yep. yeah, right there. And you break a light and someone goes out with your band card to guitar center and buys a new one. Absolutely. A lot of, lot of gaff tape. Nice it, it adds up. So, you got a business manager too. A lot of times take is going to take maybe 3% or 5% or 5 of gross too. Take so, three to 5%. Yeah. So now we're at another 500 bucks a day. And, um, you know, and then you're, you're sitting at the end and the, the five, four, six guys that really did it that spent the three months creating the songs and spent the eight months developing and grinding for no money, start making money. And there's $4,000 left over $5,000 left over. Everyone in the band gets a thousand bucks, right? A day, which you go out for a 25 day tour, like making $25,000 in two or three months is not a bad gig. Right. Don't let anyone tell you that it isn't. But what really gets interesting is, and I think Aaron Lunsford even touched on this in his book is everyone thinks that when you're on a bus and you're selling all these tickets and you're selling all this merch that like somehow everyone on stage is just like minted millionaires and it ends up averaging out to a pretty static salary and it can be really healthy and really lucrative. Well, it can go the other way though. It can, you can definitely lose money on those tours because, because those, here's what's the real awful part is you want to put out a certain vibe as a band. You need to appear big. You need to do a good thing. You do even if you're not that big or not getting paid ten thousand. You might be getting paid seven thousand, but the hard costs are still yep. the same. And you and your manager and agent are telling you, "I think you should take a lighting package, a better tour manager, and a merch person. All these other people because it'll help you do better. It'll help you relax." Well, that's you can make that, and you're going to look bigger, so you get the next tour that's even bigger. And that's bigger right. And bigger. Now that that doesn't cost them a penny. They get paid exactly the same. That doesn't cost them one penny for you to whether you whether or not you take a bus or whether or not you hire the better tour manager. They said or take lighting packages out or rent gear. That doesn't cost them anything because they're paid off gross. So you can quite literally get talked into going out on tours and losing money. And even the way you say that about be a thousand dollars isn't bad. No, it's not bad. But it's still bad if you come home and tell your wife we grossed. 
uh, you know, $180,000. And she said, really? How much are you bringing home? Yeah, 14000 She's like, oh, you know, like, and that's the only tour I'm doing for yeah. six weeks in the, for the first half of the year. You know, that still feels bad, <clears throat> even if you come home with $14,000, knowing that you, you generate $180,000. We did a tour one time with Emory, and this is true, where we spent $120,000. Uh, no, I'm sorry, we grossed $120,000. Um, these aren't exact numbers. And we spent over $90,000. And and yep. then we wound up some with all the stuff going on. Wound up writing a check to our uh, managers at the time for something like forty grand because it was some other money we had owed them or whatever. And it was just like, well, that's insane, you know. Like, and they talked us into everything. Like, well, you got to take the bus. You get, need to be big. You got to do the bigger venues. You got to yep. do all the stuff. And there was there's no money left. We all we all made a couple grand on that tour, and it grossed at like one hundred and twenty yep. or one hundred forty thousand dollars. I made like two thousand dollars for a month of yeah. my life. And- yeah. And so, and I think that's where, that's where the paradigm shifts. And I think that in that argument, going back to, as you said, well, show me an artist who doesn't have enough leverage to change the course of their career. Yeah. And I think what you see is bands like you and bands like us. And I want to make a very, very, very clear disclaimer for anyone who's still listening and is not just like hanging up and freaking out on their manager None of Under Oath's team operate under those right. parameters ever. Right. Our manager is straight up part of our band. He takes the wins when we win. He takes the losses when we have losses. We are a family. Our lawyer, our business management team, we have hired people that understand the ethics of what I do every night that they can't do. And in turn, I understand what they do every night. And it's something I can't do to enable me to be able to do what. I can only do more uh-huh. and more comfortably. But you so couldn't we, do that without the leverage of being who you are. are. Without, without first proving and having your value, you can't necessarily get... I mean, as a, new, as a brand new band, you can't get a manager to, to say, I'll just take a band member cut knowing it's going to be $75 a week. You know? Sure, sure. And, and so I think that's like the... And that, but that's where the, the, the idea of I'm in the band and this thing doesn't work without me, but if any one of our team members leave, we can get another agent, you can get another manager, you can get another business manager... That only happens at a certain point in your career. So if I'm a young band and someone says, yo, I'm going to do a 15% gross deal with you on merch. You have six members in the band. Do the math. I'm going to make more than all of your band, even if you didn't have a dollar of expenses right. and your grandma funds the whole tour. Yeah. It does not mathematically. You can't split 100% seven ways, right? Um, that is a, a valuable deal because that manager, if it's the right person – is going to be able to bring two, three, four, five, six, seven times growth to that band who's just stuck in Dayton, Ohio, or stuck in Los Angeles. And that's really the, the counter argument to major labels and 360 deals. It's like you have bands, you know, massive bands like Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, Paramore. Would those bands be as big as they are if their labels weren't directly funding them because they had a direct connection mm-hmm. to the profits on all of their business. Right. Maybe not, you know, maybe the reason why Emory and under oath are as big as we are is because the label can't fund us the way they should, because we are quote unquote too smart and we protect all of our dollars in small. And in turn, we never see dollars in big mm-hmm. either way you spin it. It's, it's not a carte blanche. 
right, wrong, black, white. There's a ton of gray. I think the biggest thing for me, and going back to the initial conversation of why would you ever want to start a podcast that tackles these issues directly is because there's a very massive gap in knowledge on the artist's side of what other people are being paid for the same job, Mm -hmm. where they line up, and what their value actually is. So when I'm trying to sell my house, my real estate agent says, I'm going to get comps around your neighborhood. Right. That's how I know how much your house is worth. Graphic designers that are better than everyone out here have no idea that they are, you know, the super pretty girl at the bar with a sweet dress on and everyone wants to buy them a drink. They're just so excited that X and Y label who works for X and Y favorite artists called them and they end up taking these deals that are not beneficial to them and in turn their employer because no one's set up for success. And there is no comps in this world. What is Under Oath worth? I can tell you that because there's a ton of bands that have sold the same amount of records, tour the same rooms, and I know I'm bigger than this band and smaller than this band, and this is what everyone gets paid, and we can actually put a market value on my band mm-hmm. and your band. Right. You can't put a market value on Aaron Sprinkle or Jordan Butcher or my friend Brandon Reich or my friend Joel Cook mm-hmm. who ran Major League Baseball for the last five years. Did all of it. Like literally creative directed everything that you saw in World Series, in Champs, Dicks, Lids, Gap, Walmart, Target. These dudes do all of it. And no one even knows who's actually doing the work. And that's what's really interesting is you buy into a conglomerate and then these people in the front lines are affiliates. It's, it's literally an Amazon affiliate program. It's my blog. I have the access to the clients. So you come through me and instead of me paying you, me, the artist, paying you a vague of a reasonable measure because you allowed me to get the job that I couldn't get, you take 85% of my income and pay me nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. That's the spread. That's the you know, activism side of why the music industry is broken. And if the artists and the managers and the agents were all working together, I think everyone would make a lot less money per unit but the units would go up. And I don't mean units on albums. I mean units of work and continuity within a team. You know, you would get a lot more done. We were even talking about this today about Facebook. We don't have to go into it. But if everyone would just rally around the idea that we're better together yes. than going, oh, how do I benefit right now? So no. Yes. Then everyone wins. Yeah. So there's a piece but of – no one thinks of things There's like almost a, a piece of philosophy here where – worth teasing out and it's something and and maybe it's just the way that i am personally i've been guilty of a lot of these bad qualities that i feel like are hoarding so for instance i've been really guilty of or still am i like to get other people's work creative i need graphic design i feel like a poor person and i want to get somebody that's hungry that's good and i want to pay them super cheap you know i'm a pretty good negotiator and i can find people to do things for cheap or free and stuff like that um but that's a really it's not the best mentality for sure. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit of a hoarding mentality. Um, but if I don't know the person and I have, you know, if it's not somebody I work with regularly, then so be it. You know, I want to, I don't care about the used car salesman. I want to get the best deal I can when I'm buying a car, whatever. But if there's somebody I intend to work with or develop or keep around, well, you cannot take that approach. It's something I've really corrected or I'm trying to correct is to value the people that I value 
in an ongoing way. It's not about getting the cheapest number from them. It's about getting the number yeah. right so that they are yes. motivated. So I, and more than saving money, I want yeah. to cause others to and, be motivated. It's, and it's, you're right. So, the, I, I, go ahead. I, 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 sorry, I feel like there's, there's some really good examples. So like the biggest thing that everyone wants Everyone loves the headline. So, so it's going after the music industry or talking crap on managers and this, this, and the other. It's not about that. It's really about, great, you've identified a problem. So what do you do? Like, how do you fix that problem? And you can really only start with how your internal organization mm-hmm. works and then publicly explaining why you do what you do and why it's different than everyone else. And if the, that if everyone else took a little bit of this, everyone would be better. Case in point, RLD on the last tour, and I, I'm not going to name his name. He's super personal. He does not like to be publicly, you know, praised. He's one of the best LDs in the world. That's lighting director. Done, yeah, sorry, lighting director. So LDs are lighting directors. So when you get blasted and you want to have a seizure uh, at an under oath show, you can thank our LD, who is our bud. He's been our LD for a while. He's done Skrillex. He's done, you know, Lindsey Sterling. He's done under oath. He's been in bands. He gets it all. He's a brilliant dude. And you know, when we were negotiating and I say negotiating because it sucks that every conversation you have about money is automatically in your head of negotiation, right? It's not just like, Hey man, Matt, what do you need for me to hire you to do my podcast? We're already in our heads going, I'm going to come in high and then I'm going to come in low. We're going to end probably right where we want to be. Right. Yep. Um, he came in at a very low rate and it was a steal. He said, dude, I love your band. You, you know, I'm straight up like squad, like I'm homies. We're, we're long time friends. I'm going to do it for X price. And X price was honestly disgusting. I mean, it was straight up like he was being a bro, but he named a number that was so offensively low. And I literally called Randy, our manager, whose job it is to save us every yes. single dollar we can and make all of the money and said, dude, this is what so-and-so came in at. I don't feel good about it. He's like, no way. We're like, nope. Like, we're paying that dude way more because he's worth more. And probably for the first time in the music industry that I've ever heard of, the artist and employer countered an offer for a crew member at 35% raise straight out of the gate before <laughs> he even touched a console. That's beautiful. Because that's what he was worth. Yeah. Right. And we value him. And we made yeah. money and he made money. And we were all happy. And when yep. the tour did better than we thought, everyone got bonuses on top of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to talk about that so everyone tweets about how good Under Oath is. I want to put that out there that this is how business should be done. It, it can be, but it's it you know? comes from a fearful place the way we tend to operate normally. And so it's, it's just kind of built into humanity. But like, also, you don't want to underpay somebody even as a, even as just doing good business, like for instance, I've done tours where I didn't take a guitar tech in order to save money. For instance, I've done that before. Don't like it, but I've done it. Absolutely. But I also had a lot of people volunteer say, "Oh, I could be your guitar tech. I'd do it for free. Just take me on the road." The answer to that is a solid no way, Jose. I would never want a free guitar tech. I don't want one. I, I, want, yeah. I want. I don't want to take somebody on the road and either be paying them fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or free. Then I don't. Ha- then they're not. They're not going to be motivated to do the job. It's not gonna help them and it's not going to help me and I'm not going to really be able to ask them to I'm not going to be able to treat them the way I need to treat somebody that I'm paying what a good value I want to pay somebody good enough and then I want to be able to have good expectations of them and them to feel motivated to exceed them 
that will that pays off and that's the way you got to get with people especially if you i mean it's really it just all comes down to their motivations but the deeper part of it maybe is encapsulated with the phrase like uh uh when the when the tide comes in all the ships rise so it's a a famine or a feast mentality so maybe this all isn't so competitive as we make it you know like if like uh, let's say in podcasting for instance if there's a rival podcast to bad christian let's say science mike and liturgist people that people that listen to that they're like our competition well i certainly that's that's ridiculous i don't see them that way as at all in fact if you just told me i looked into a crystal ball and two years from now the liturgist podcast is getting five million downloads per episode and that's the only fact about the future that i know now does that fact excite me or do i feel jealous and unhappy about that fact my my choice to that would be ooh. I wonder what, if they're doing 5 million, I wonder what we're doing. Not, well, shit, how did they get that? Because uh, I, that, what I would take away from that fact would be, hmm, looks like podcasting's blowing up, is, is what would be my takeaway. Okay. That means many people, they're not, well, I wouldn't take it. That. I think that's the way it is with bands and other stuff. I don't think creative stuff is near as competitive as people present it, feel it, and operate. You know, bands constantly are jealous of other bands. That's always bad you hear somebody got a tour yeah. or made amount of money that's almost always a good thing for you but many people experience it um fearfully as a jealousy thing and i don't think you should ever be jealous about you shouldn't be and sometimes i am too but you shouldn't be yeah i mean and i think that that's like digging to a deeper like inner peace thing that a lot of people need to deal with i think there's always going to be that contentment issue you know mm-hmm. the second we sold out this venue there were certain times where certain people would be mad that another band that we thought was half as good as us sold out a bigger venue. Yeah. Right. Instead of just going, Holy cow, we just sold out a venue that we never thought we'd sell out. How about just the takeaway that music is working. Consumership is up. I mean, things are working for everybody. That's a good thing. Yeah. So it gets really interesting. And then it's like, the contentment issues, honestly, like an entire episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's like, you should probably have like a science mic on to talk about crap firing off in people's brains because the, the same people that are never content never get more content. No. And the same all. people that do not give a literal crap, and I have to say crap because my wife told me that my kids are watching. So, okay. hey, Ezra, Ida, and Marin. Um, but uh, I'm not allowed to curse and I have to be a good dad. Um, but, that, like the people that don't give a crap about any of that still don't give a crap about any of that. Even when you're rich and you're mm-hmm. poor and you're big and you're not, and you're hot and you're cold. It's a character thing that success or lack of success can't help. Yes. And I've noticed that in my personal opinion, it's like there's some companies that just, aren't content with having a number one single. They take all that number one single money and they go out and try to like wreck some other label and take all their top bands and have five number one singles. Mm-hmm. There's some artists and bands or people in bands that can't just sell out one night because so-and-so sold it out three nights. So now they're just hell bent on trying to get even more and more and more because it's a contentment issue. And that's completely different. But I do think that like, I think it's something that, if it was only a contentment issue and a psychological issue, I would just lay down the, the torch and just go, people are made of 
stardust and some people are better than others. We just let it lie. I think what's happening in the music industry specifically is I'm seeing very good people that are very content and have ethics or lose them because they're put in a system that changes them. Mm-hmm. And so it's different than going, oh, that guy's always been that way. That makes a lot of sense. No wonder why he's in jail or no wonder why he's a CEO and he's crushing or no wonder why he's a deadbeat. Certain people have patterns that you can go, I think in five years, this is where this person's going to go. Like when you and I met, it's like, I know Matt and Toby are probably going to never not need much. You know, you're like, you're always going to want to do a lot, but you're never going to need anything because you're always so prolific and active and you do it from art and business almost in tandem to a point where I don't even know which one you lean to. And I've always known that about you. And that's why it's always like, oh yeah, that's what Matt's doing. I'm sure it's doing well. And it always is. So it's like, there's patterns. Like I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to worry about all these people. There's new bands, new people getting out of college, new booking agents getting taught the wrong things and the wrong ethics. And it's a really big problem. And I don't really know how to fix it. And, and that's kind of where 24 hours gets us. I think is yeah. I called you with an idea and now we're just talking about it a bit, but yeah, I mean, I have a friend who runs a really, 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 really great print shop. It's uh, my friend Matt Lucas, and he runs a company in Texas called Trust Print Shop. Mm-hmm. And they're honestly the best screen printer in the country, I think. I've printed in LA, I've printed in New York, I've printed in Seattle, I've printed in Texas, I've printed in Florida, printed everywhere. I've had merch from every corner of the globe, let alone every print shop in this country. Trust is the best print shop so far. And they're expensive, but they're not expensive when you realize what you're getting. Mm-hmm. They're just more than the cheapest idiot putting out crap. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, it's a different mentality, but no one understands that there's an art to screen printing and there's a cost to when you get it at a certain price. And if your supplier is not paying that cost, they're passing it down to the poor Mexican in a print shop and a sweatshop in LA that can't even pay their rent and isn't going to have a nice Christmas this year. Right. And so when you think about that, it's every 80 cents on top of the shirt I'm getting right here goes to an ethical person with ethical you know, morals and has a team that is also benefiting when he wins and mm-hmm. also shares the losses when he shares the losses. That sounds a yes. lot like my business. That's right. That sounds a lot like under oath. That sounds a lot like, the bands and the, the business I want to run. Mm-hmm. And I think that not a lot of people are doing that. No. And I don't, I don't realize how special that is until I get in conversations with you. I get in conversations with Matt. I get in conversations with Jordan Busher. I get in conversations with so many of my friends. And I say so many, like I have 10. And they're always these like, you know, inspiring. Everyone's raising their voice. Grab another beer. This is great. And it's like, yeah. why is that so special? Yes. Because it's so rare. Well, it, it's, it's, it takes a long time to, to learn. Normal. Yeah. No, it takes a long time to learn even some of that stuff. So, I mean, if you just, a couple of things, there's one, even with the t-shirts, I mean, I've only always gotten the cheapest t-shirt I could ever get. It's not until Velarity at Merchline convinced me and showed me the difference and why it matters until I'm a full on convert and will never, I mean, and this is like a year and a half old now where I'm like, oh, it matters if the t-shirts are good. And I've been selling t-shirts for my living for over 10, 15 years. And I just figured out that lesson that you know, and that trust knows and people inherently know when 
probably when I came to the shop and he showed me, he said, feel this. Here's what, here's how other people are cutting corners. The kids don't like it. You don't see it. It comes in and out and then goes there. But in the, you know, getting that shirt and feeling that the print is flat and even and good and not sticky and raised up or, you know, impermeable. It's a big deal. Not to mention the ethics and the stuff of the, you know, the, the labor and the, where all the ethical things about it too. And then the other thing is it's uh, really hard to be, it's hard to do everything from the right motivation. So for instance, I, the call that you gave me yesterday, and I told you this on the phone, I get that call every week, multiple times. So I'll spend an hour with p- talking to people about a podcast they want to start or an idea they have or something. I just sure. always say yes to that. If it's somebody I you know, know or, or like, or I'm interested in to me, that answer is always going to be yes. And I wind up spending probably half of my productivity time on other people's ideas. I almost never get paid for that. It's the thing that I'm probably the best at. Um, but it's what I want to do. And it's interesting to me. And, that's how I learn, and it's good for me in the long. I understand they don't really get paid for it, and there's probably and nobody's going to be successful sure. later, and then go back and get more than give me a tip later. But the other approach would be, well, I'll <laughs> talk to you, but I need I need to be on hourly to do a to do a phone call where you're probably going to learn a lot sure. of information or inside information. I'd be glad. I lo- so to me, I just have had to turn the switch and say, if the if it's interesting, my answer is yes. I will give as much time unlimited to people that are inspiring to me because I'm going to get something out of it. We'll do stuff down the road. Somebody like you says nice things about me. I imagine, or at least you do on the podcast. I imagine you do other places too. So I got nothing to lose by sharing all my information with you. I tell you exactly what our podcast is, how much money it makes, how we do it. That, I mean, I don't, I've just had to turn that switch and say, I'll share whatever I can and it will work. And it does. I'm having the, and I'm, my career's getting closer and closer to where I will eventually get paid for it. In some cases now I do. So I'm building less systems and doing less micro business. I'm doing more big picture stuff and consulting with people and developing people. And I'm starting to earn money from that, which is the best feeling in the world because I'm actually in the long run probably going to earn more and more money from just, my mental labor and the information that I have in my brain now that I know what it is and, and what it's worth, I think it'll eventually work out. But I cannot sit there and tell people, you know, try to get people on lockdown contracts or charge them hourly for my phone calls. Like, I'm not going to do that. Totally. I'm just not going to exactly. do it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's like you're hitting something on the head. And I think that you even talking about when Jay Velarde from Merchline brought you in and explain to you why you are paying what you're paying and why it's not the cheapest, but it's the best for what you get mm-hmm. and what you pay for. That's exactly what I'm talking about is you and I are sitting here going, we've been in this business for almost 20 years and we're still realizing how jacked up 10 years ago was. Yep. And last year was, and it's refining. And you realize it's because there's very few ethical cowboys in this wild, wild west that we call the music industry. And I think that, you know, it's really Ethical hard to cowboys. not be there you go. silent, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's hard It's hard to not be silent when you realize, like, when you speak out about a 360 deal, like, that's every major label that's maybe looking at my band. Yeah. You, and are they going to judge me on this podcast, you know? And it's like, and it's not a thing where I'm concerned, but it's, it's very much a system that's rigged uh, against transparency. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the people that are in those systems, even like the quote unquote bad guys, I don't think there's any bad guys. I just think everyone needs to talk more yeah. and you'd get there. Because one of my really good friends 
runs, I think, the biggest merch company in the world, or one of them. And he and I have been friends since before Under Oath was anything. He's the first dude that ever signed Under Oath. He's one of the best people ever. And I think from the outside, you go, oh, he works for the man. No, he doesn't. Like, He's the reason why the man, his company, is doing so well because he brought our culture, our ethics into that space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So I think that it's not so much everyone abandon ship, sell everything, and move out into like the woods and make music for free and just go crazy. I think we can live in a profit-centered business mm-hmm. mindset that just makes sense for everyone around us. You know, And if you're winning really, really hard, there's a cost to that. Yeah. Like who's losing really, really hard so you can win really, really hard? That's true. And I think that's the question that everyone has to ask is, if I'm winning too much, I have to go all this money or all this fame or all this, all these followers, what, whatever I got, like if it's too much and I know it, like I took it from someone. I don't, I might not even know who that person is. They might not even live in this country, but I took that from someone. And yeah. I think that's really where people don't think about it. Cause even you talking about it and not to say that this is where you come from, but even you talking about how you're so, um, open with me or anyone that you you see eye to eye with or value in from a podcast level and you're not trying to like time clock me and send me an invoice sure it's always bookended with i think one day we'll all make money together and i think like that's something where i know that's not your main focus i know you're like bros first and i know that bros that help each other end up bringing each other back later but i think again you and i are probably the closest to this side of the fringe of like being anti-business while also being pro-business and being profitable. Um, not anti-business. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm, I love, yeah, I love profit motivation. I think that the, the market pressure is the best thing in the world, but there's times when it gets out of whack or divorced from humanity, but I'm counting on market about the market to set prices. And I like, for instance, I hate it when bands get, funded by some church or charity i just think that's so wrong you should be you should have the amount of money that you're worth as a band that's the amount you should get paid the amount that's right not somebody pays for me to go do my art i want to have a market value i want i don't want it to be more than it is i want to be artificially inflated i want to be the real amount i want to be right yeah, because then I know what I am. Like, for instance, yeah. when we were doing church gigs to start out, we had w- walked away from that because we were getting paid too much to be safe entertainment for people that we weren't worth, and it didn't feel like anything because it wasn't real. It wasn't real. We weren't worth $400 in three hotel rooms when we were first but, started, but they were paying it to us, and it just felt – it wasn't validating as, a, as, a, as the artist, which is the thing I was trying to be. So I want the market – I mean, I'm not – Yeah, I'm, and the fact that you walked away from that – shows that you have a different backbone than most people. Cause there's a lot of people that get sucked in that and they're brilliant people, brilliant musicians, super creative. And they're just stuck being the guy that's playing churches. Cause yeah. I can't make this much money anywhere else. I can't go to house of blues and be a real artist. So I go to first Baptist of right. Hudson, Florida and make $7,500 yeah. to just play three songs that they might've heard. And then they give me a love offering at the end of the day. And it's crazy. Yeah. But it, but that's an actual business. Like there's people that buy houses and pay for cars and do this on just nothing. 
Yeah. They're not real. Yeah. You it's know, not real. And, and that's it gets what really interesting. Not that, you know? yeah. Cause I'd um, always take more money if I could get it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not even greedy or, or something. It's not about that, but I'm not the most ethical, compassionate person by any stretch either. It's not that. I just want it to at well, least. I know that. <laughs> I just want it to be real is also, it feels real to me is a kind of thing. And podcasting is a real neat one because it's, um, you know, there's so many less people in the business. Like we can kind of operate freely and directly and just feel it out. So I've really have enjoyed being in the podcast sphere or even doing advertising. And I, man, I want to make as much money as possible. But with that, you have to get it right. Like you have to deliver for sponsors. You have to take it seriously. You can't yeah. just take the money because it'll screw you over if you screw, if you know, inflate your numbers or, or report falsely or uh, try to sell something you're not worth. It'll bite you and then it'll just screw you anyway. So I only want to get paid what we're worth. You know, that's just, that's just so, the way it is. And that if everybody does that, it's it's a good system. But so you got to yeah. just, maybe it's just that the old systems and traditional systems are so big and old yeah. and specialized that it's, you're, it's divorced. Like everybody's divorced from uh, the, the process. Like, oh, I'm just the guy that does this. And they only see their spreadsheet right in front of them and not the holistic yeah. approach. So maybe it would have, to, it's not going to be ever reformed by trying to, explain to other people they should have my ethic though so the only way any change might would happen i'm going to guess only if you disagree with this would be consumer driven so you see other industries here's one that you know a lot about coffee for instance so coffee is people pay a shitload sorry your kids are people people play a crap load of money (laughs) for coffee because they know that like it's been put put into the product itself that it's fair trade and that people get paid and where it comes from in Guatemala or whatever it is that's become part of the product itself and the informed consumer like to buy uh, clothing or coffee at least that is made and sourced well and people taken care of down the chain that's a consumer driven thing you know it's not just Folgers decided to be nice or whatever yeah, well, I think, you know, I think that you're right. You have to tell a better story and you have to educate people. And I think that's what we're talking about mm-hmm. is 10 years ago, people didn't realize that their coffee came from people that made 80 cents a day mm-hmm. so that they could have their 89 cent 7-Eleven cup of coffee, right? So it, it, it's, it's changed based on the knowledge. And I still think that's really the number one thing is the awareness of what this industry is and how it's made so many people's lives better, me included. Mm -hmm. And for every one success story like you and I, there's 10 disasters. And I think, and and the, the biggest thing too is like, let's assume that we're not all human from like a mental standpoint of like, we're humanitarians. We believe in good. We believe in ethics. Like you and I come from a, a relatively similar faith background. So everyone's probably going, Oh, that's what those Christians always say. So let's assume there's no faith. There's no grandma. There's no girlfriend. There's no one leaning on you to do anything. And you just want to make money. Yeah. And you're just a greedy piece of crap, right? Yeah. You stand to make more money by being open, fair, transparent, Yes, you do. That is true. Then you do to be a pile of things that I can't say. Yes. But you know, Tim, that's what, that's all of human history is kind of that way. Like, it's like, uh, like think of this is what came in my head when you said that you know how like hazing works in at you at a in the military or you could think of like all the way back through history 
hazing. It works in a certain way where when you're the one getting initiated, you uh, you really get crapped on and beat up and put through the ringer, and that somehow has a function. And then later, you're not sorry at all when you're hazing and beating up on the new recruits or whatever it is. Like that's almost an archaic part of humanity and. Being an artist almost reminds me of that in a little way because when you come in, you're almost tricked into like you're low, you're new, you need the label, you need all the stuff, and you're you have this dream that's that's kind of preyed upon by like you, you'll trade anything because you you have this idea and you want success and you want you know so you're willing to voluntary voluntarily enter into all these deals and situations yep. where you're just going to get the crap kicked out of you and and then whenever sure. then later when you do feel like yeah, well, now I'm the one in charge. I have a little bit of power here. You're not necessarily going to be that nice to the yeah. other people. You say, it's my time. I've heard people say that so often. It's my time now. So now it's my profit motive is the highest. And I got screwed before, and now it's my turn to screw. So the more we yeah. can progressively evolve have, as society, you know, you we see artists. less of those things. And it's better for everybody. Yeah. Well, you have, you have artists that come into this world and – they come out the other end changed, right? So you have people like Kanye West just breaking down. Mm-hmm. Like, dude is, there's probably eight artists bigger than him right now in the world. And he's still melting down. He doesn't have his stuff together. Yeah. And you have an artist like Haley Williams from Paramore, who started at 14 and is, I don't know how old or worth how many millions of bajillions of dollars, whatever she is, she is an actual celebrity. When I just saw her two months ago, three months ago, and she's the same person. Mm-hmm. And everyone says like, oh, I saw this person. They're super nice. Like when you're in a band, everyone in other bands treats you nicely. I get all that. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Like I can see it. Yeah. Like she's married. She's sitting as an adult. She's wearing clothing. She's not not talking to me because I'm in a small band that doesn't matter anymore. At one point I was bigger than her and now I'm like peanuts to her. We don't even have those conversations. Mm -hmm. She's just a human being goes, man, like, how are you? I haven't talked to you in so long. And I just love talking to you for a minute. Um, And then you have artists like logic and you have artists like John Bellion. And you have these dudes that are blowing up, but they're committed to what they started their brand on, which is not being that guy. And then you have the Justin Bieber's of the world that are not that. And, it's it's not that any of those people are good or bad. It's just this is what the machine does. Yeah. Well, but that, and that if you can be too. at least a little bit aware, like you can probably understand like how that goes. You know. Well, yeah, because you know I, some of the deals I do and have done with other people are super. I always lean very handshaky and non-contract because I feel like I don't want it. And, and you know, and I, I meet people all the time that are more successful than me or know a lot of people that are more successful than me, and they're always like, "Well, I mean." Yeah. You, you, you wait till you get burnt. You'll change your tune. Is yep. what they're always telling me, and they're just people that get burnt. You know, eventually somebody's going to screw you over. Burnt. You go what? next time. But you've been burnt. What? I'm sorry. Uh, you've been burnt. Oh yeah, I have. have I know. I might just be stupid, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. No, but <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like even your show with the guy that screwed you on the the show, the the festival. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You're like, no, come on my podcast. Like, yeah. It's everyone acts like you're just this like lobotomy like idiot like oh matt's just southern and he's just all like happy dory and all this and other like no like you're content like you're smart you're intelligent you understand what's going on 
And for someone to look at you and go, man, like you're just going to get burnt one day. You just don't know what it's like. Right. You're going to have contracts soon. It's like, but you've been burnt. Yeah. If you, if you were going to have contracts, you would have started that five years ago. Cause you've been doing this for almost 20. Yeah. You know what I mean? True. So it's like, that goes to the contentment and the headspace of you were the same person when you stepped in 10, 15 years ago and you're the same person. Now you're just smarter and you also know when to be a little bit more shrewd when you have to, because you have been burned and you have signals and understanding that you didn't have when you were sure. 18 years old, but you're not carte blanche. Talk to my assistant, go after yourself type of guy. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's people that are, Oh, and that's yeah. a really interesting dynamic yeah. because it's like those people came in as putty and got molded versus coming in a little bit stronger going, here's who I am. Here's what I believe in. Here's the music going to that's write. A good point. If you guys want to F with what I'm doing, let's do it. But, well, but I'm not going to cater to you. Well, I wonder if it's, uh, if it has something to do with what you're, because I don't feel like a better person than other people or anything like, like you're saying a lot of things are nice or flattering, but to me, they're natural. I don't think they're like, I don't think I'm taking the higher road. I would explain it like this and see if this resonates with you. But to me, the best joy I can have for contentment is I, whatever I'm going to do today or yesterday or tomorrow is the thing that I simply am most excited to do. So I'll make all kinds of sacrifices contractually or financially to ensure that I get to do what I am most excited about doing tomorrow. So I love like uh, we built this studio here. That to me, I, I just enjoy doing it so much. I wouldn't farm that task out. Um, I love just figuring out this microphone and where I'm going to hook it up and do stuff that I could have paid people or, or be above. Um, you know, I loved editing podcasts for a while. Now I don't anymore and I don't edit them anymore. But I loved it when I was doing it. I didn't feel like this sucks that I have to do sure. this now. I was into it, the process. So whatever sure. I'm into, that that's where my contentment comes from. I didn't say I want to have a podcast with, 30,000 listeners, so I got to do all this shitty work to get there. That's not my point of view. I love day one and like, totally. ooh, what is this? How does this work? And so that's why I feel like every day, or if Absolutely. I get in the conversation and when there's money there, once I stick with something long enough, there'll be money. I'll figure that out. So there's sacrifices I make, but it's for autonomy, uh, process oriented autonomy that I, I'm my own boss and I choose what I'm going to do today and tomorrow. So sure. that's what, that's what drives me. And it leads me to a lot of good places. And I'm fortunate that I can do that and it works, but, um, that, that, you know, if I was thinking the whole time, yeah. I just want to be on a stage. I just want to make a $10,000 guarantee. I just want to uh, sell a million records. If those were my distant motivations, I would never, I, I, don't, I probably would have never achieved them, but no. also would never be happy because I would just move the goalpost. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I think that's really, you know, to wrap up the idea of like our call yesterday, even to like this conversation, it seems like there's, we're touching on a couple different things. One is your proof that education on what's happening in, the, in any aspect of this industry allows you to make a more educated decision and people that are leaning towards your ethics, which you obviously don't think you're some special superhero and nor do I. And I don't think that of myself, people like us just need more information and we'll make better yes. decisions. And, yeah. and I think there's a lot of people like us that are making horrible decisions because they just don't have the information. They yet. lack the information. So I think that's okay. really the one. Exactly. There's the, there, there's that. So it's like, that's what a podcast is. Yeah. That's what a website is. That's what a, this podcast is. That's what a Ted talk is. It's let me educate you. You, you love H and M. Can you love it as much when you realize that children died for that $8 shirt? Mm -hmm. When you start thinking about that, 
it kind of blows your mind and all of a sudden you're either returning it or you at least can't walk in and feel as good as you did, even if you continue on your standard behavior, right? Because you're human and you absorb things. So allowing people to understand Mm -hmm. the true cost before putting them in a position where you're pointing a finger going, you're bad, you're doing it wrong. And here's five reasons why you have to give them the rope to go. Can you go on a journey? Because I only know what I know because I went on this journey and no one here has been on that. Secondly, there's going to be people that you just can't save. There's going to be people that you just can't work with. There's going to be people that you just can't help. And there's some people that are literal disasters and they wake up every day and go, how can I make my life even more of a disaster? Mm-hmm. Or they're rich and they wake up every day and go, how can I get richer? And so I think learning the barometer between, oh, this guy is just not the person that I'm trying to reach versus, oh man, I see potential in this person and I just don't think they have enough information yeah. is a really interesting concept. That's really, and when you're on a I one-on-one conversation and you're on a crusade, you have to make that gut decision every single day. But when you do a podcast or you do a website or a blog post, it's out there. Yeah. And you know you're going to bounce off all the idiots that don't care, don't know, and the people that actually need it are going to receive it. And you'll never know the effect that what you just said had on them ever. This pretty, and that's a beautiful thing. It really is. It's really insightful what you just said there. Like I'm sitting here listening to it going, yeah, that's actually explains a lot. That, you know, I'm not just saying, yeah, I knew that. I'm saying when you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I think he's right. I think that's informing me right now. And so it's information. That's I guess why I'm so attracted to information, podcasting and communication. Really, it's, I'll even say it's not even intelligence. Even I don't, I don't attach, I don't put a lot of value on intelligence or I think it's really just about information and understanding. If, if other people understood stuff, then they could act better and the, you know, it wouldn't, it would, it just could solve a lot of their problems. So to be able to, to share information is probably equal to, or more valuable than people being smart or good even. Cause like the right information can make a person behave better. Not you know what I mean. You can improve their moral character just by improving their what they understand and their information. And now that we have all the connectivity and all that, it's insane. So what better to spend your time on than refining ideas, communicating them, and receiving yeah. them from other people? It doesn't matter if you're smart or popular. That, that none of that none of that stuff really yeah. matters too much. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because I've you know working in the hip hop community the last year, and obviously working alongside a lot of hip-hop artists and DJs for the last couple years on the merch side, like the one thing that I've realized about the urban culture, and as we all know from the news and, you know, uh, just basic information, but like seeing it firsthand is like the the biggest thing that they're dealing with is lack of education. Mm -hmm. Like the urban community is just lacking education. You know, I've had dudes literally look me in the face and it's like, I grow up with three Bs. It's either bars, rapping, bricks, drugs, or basketball. I either ball, brick, or bar. That Those are my three ways to a successful life mm-hmm. as me in this scenario. And then you realize what an, like a small dose of education. And it's not education like, I'm better than you. Let me bring you up to my level. It's information. Information, yeah. It's educating them going, yeah. Here's, here are the opportunities. And, and that's the biggest thing is there's the people that are on the bottom stay on the bottom because they just don't know why they're there and that there's anything better. And you're right. There's some people that aren't going to change with information. That's true too. But information, education is uh, essentially 
uh, in an informal sense, education is the utilization of information. So we, we like to say education and then call it, make that a formal thing or even the silly notion that education and learning only comes from teaching, you know, like I don't think I ever learned much from teaching, yep. but I sure have learned a lot in my life. But most of it is just me assimilating or picking up on or being given information and utilizing it in a certain way. Yes. It doesn't need to be educate. We don't necessarily, it's not necessarily improve third grade curriculum. I don't really care about that whatsoever, but nonetheless information and its utilization, man, that's It's everything. It's the difference and everything. And there's even scientists. There's totally. a scientist named David Deutsch that I heard on Sam Harris's podcast. And he says, information is really all that there is. You could go to a far off galaxy and if you just had the yeah. formula of how to build and we just had, you know, you could take hydrogen just atoms and synthesize, in, you could synthesize a whole world from hydrogen atoms if you just simply knew how the raw materials are, are there. There's nothing stopping anything from being possible in the whole universe, even physically other than information. It's a, it's a crazy sure. concept. Well, I think that's why like people like the liturgist, you know, Science Mike and, you know, uh, Gunger and those guys are just doing something really important because they're giving people, at least of our generation of faith, like a new voice that no one's educated us on. Mm -hmm. And not to bring this to faith, because I know that's not what this is about, but that's something I've realized, like even walking through like this, none of this adds up. And someone going, yeah, it, it, it never has. And here's how everyone got around it up until now. And now here's how we're actually going to confront it starting right now. Mm -hmm. And then those types of scenarios, you realize like the thing that everyone was so scared about talking about was actually the most beneficial for the whole. And so it's the same with the music industry. It's the same with a band, a band interdynamic. Like there's a song, three people love it. Three people haven't said a word. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. You're only working on half of the information that's going around of six brains, right? That's like a direct scenario that yep. Oath would find ourselves in or, or are in or will be in at some point. Regardless, you know, there's two passionate people and then passion and being loud can dictate for other people that don't really know exactly what they think. And then you have class. You have I'm up here and you're down here. And then it takes a lot to recognize talent and recognize roles and still have some sort of hierarchy based on logic versus just who can yell louder and longer and outlast and filibuster the other. And so that's what we're in now is that kind of shift in faith in music, in the music industry where you have labels like rise who are just like, Oh, there's this label that signs all these weird hardcore bands becoming really, really, really powerful because the major label music industry had to look at labels like Vagrant and Rise and Fearless and all of this and go, they're doing something that we can't and we don't know why, so we don't really know how to fix it, so let's just buy them. Mm -hmm. And that might sound like, <laughs> oh man, you sold out. But, but what really happened is like those ethics got upstreamed into the big That's brain, true. the big thing. That's true. Yeah. I believe that. And I, yeah, did, did some punk rock kid get rich probably but i don't even care about what the sale was and how much money you have or how, how much what car you ride i hope that you're still taking what built your small label into this stream that. where they only know spreadsheets numbers and advances and royalties so you think it's i mean because that's optimistic something about art that can't be analyzed and copied and deduced 
So that's optimistic thinking, but you think that the ethos and ethics can be uploaded to the larger on, on that level? Like um, like how you beat the uh, alien degree, and independence and day? I think leveraging expectations. I, I mean, it's, a, it's like a president, man. I mean, you could have the best president in the world, Barack Obama, new guy, you know, doesn't have any political experience. Great. That's who we want. You know, Donald Trump, new guy. He's from the streets and he doesn't have any political experience. Like that's who we want. Like in four years, that dude's going to be as good or worse than everyone else. And, and, and it's because the machine eats you up. So like that going back is also the cost of even being president. Like, can you have a really good president? Yes. Do I think the best president that our country's ever had was the right person to dictate the world? Of course not. Because mm-hmm. in order to even get there and get to a top in a place of influence, you've been dulled and polished and scarred enough to where you started as this and you kind of came out like you kind of smell and look like that, but you're not the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that any cool pitchfork, whatever, can get bought for five billion dollars and not turn itself on its head. I don't think that that's possible. But then you have people like Vice Yep. who actually are valued at the B word. And they're still doing really, 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 really important content. Yeah, I think they're awesome. Are they doing yeah. crappy content because they have investors or would-be investors? Of course they are. Has their content across the spectrum gotten more diluted with more things I probably wouldn't watch? Of course. But the thing that they're doing in the space that they really want to do and matters is as good or better than ever. Yeah. And so... That's you, it. you look totally at the agree. whole body and you're like, yeah, that's not who stepped in the office last year. That's not the indie label that I bought five years ago. But you're going to have to take on some baggage. And if you don't think that like climbing any ladder is going to put you in a spot where you have to sacrifice some things, you're dead wrong. Yeah. So it's like, you know that. I know that. So it's like, yeah, I would love to say that I'm as passionate and F the man and middle fingers up all the time as I was when I was 17, but I'm not. I know when someone over here barks so loud and I know what that means to the business, I'm going to at least think hard about backing down. Whether I do or not, it's up to me. But I'm not going to be loudmouthed and bullheaded like I used to just because I have ethics and F you and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I wouldn't say that's an education or a maturity. I think that's a dulling of what should happen for my own benefit and protecting myself. It's self-preservation. And so, yeah, when you get bought for a lot of money, you have to self-preserve. You're going to sign a pop artist, but you brought Converge up because that's who you really care about. So as long as you're not screwing Jacob Bannon to feed some idiot over here who doesn't even write her own songs, then have at it, in my opinion, because they're both good as long as they're balanced and everyone understands what's actually happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Tim, you, you're quite an interesting guy. And I tell you, the, the, the most thing that I find interesting, other than just ha- having character and ha- being interesting, is uh, you're dynamic. And I've seen you change a decent amount. Like, you're not really the same guy from different time periods. And that is crazy. Because most people, they're just pretty static, you know? Most people just are what they are. But sure. I've seen, I mean, you, you yeah. and, and I know, I mean, the core of who you are, of course, is the same, but. I've seen you make at least one or two relative transformations that I'm like, ah, that's a different guy than he was five years ago, which means you're essentially 
know that you were wrong previously. I hear you talk about that now and some stuff. I love that. 100%. It means, and that's the only way that it is that you are moving on and learning and doing stuff. And it sounds like you've been able to even, and I've talked to a bunch of guys in your band recently too. Um, it sounds like they're really happy too and can get along with you and do stuff better than they ever have been able to before, which is really nice to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, we're all bros. And yeah, it's just some people take a lot longer to, to get to the same finish line for certain things. But, <laughs> well, yeah, it's great. It's, uh, so it's all good, man. Um, we'll, and, uh, we'll wrap up yeah. here. But so Under Oath is doing a, a tour with Bring Me the Horizon. And that's coming yeah. out real soon. And then um, you're doing some other stuff. What Anything else with Under Oath you want to tell them about? You got the, you're doing overseas? Yeah, we're doing um, Australia in February. Then we do Bring Me the Horizon March, April. And then May, we go to Europe and the UK. So that's awesome. We'll be uh, doing the whole world in three months. And then uh, we'll come back home for the rest of the year. And then who knows what the future holds. But well, well, it the, should be good. The music fans are happy to have Under Oath back. But I just think having your head back in the music industry space is very exciting. Very exciting to me. I can't wait to talk to you and do more stuff with you going forward. Yeah, well... I appreciate it. Hopefully I won't uh, upset too many people on the way up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you later, Tim. All right, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the the Professional professional Book book nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading! Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s, and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.